0: Welcome to the Creative Tools Podcast. My name is Ashe and I'm immensely passionate about using technology for creativity. On this podcast, I talk to various creators about what tools and technology they use to be creative. My guest today is Kevin Lohman. Kevin is a nature photographer living in Santa Cruz, California. He makes wildlife and landscape images with Nikon and Sony mirrorless cameras and edits them on a Mac computer using Adobe Lightroom. His educational background in marine science heavily influences his photography and his career at a technology company has made him comfortable managing digital images. Kevin is a member of the North American Nature Photography Association and has had images recognized in various photo contests. Hi, Kevin. Thanks a lot for visiting my podcast.
1: Hey, Ashay, thank you so much for uh, inviting
0: me. So let's dive right in. Uh, My first question is, uh, what do you create?
1: I am a nature photographer and I make images of wildlife and landscapes, mostly wildlife. Uh, And then the landscapes are opportunistic. If I'm out and something looks great, I'll create a landscape image of that. And then from there, I distribute my images in different ways, either via social media or I uh, print them and uh, sell them as well on uh, paper and metal. And then I also have like greeting cards and puzzles. So these are just ways of getting them out there. And then I enter various contests as well. So uh, just to kind of keep my uh, visibility up there with anything I'm creating.
0: Great, thanks a lot for the for introduction. So um, the way that I'm going to structure this podcast is uh, in three sections. Uh, so one is, the first one is pre-creation. So before you start making your creations, what happens and what tools and technology uh, you use to for that. Then the actual creation part, and then the post-creation, which is the uh, release, distribution, and marketing uh, of, of your creation. So let's first talk about the pre-creation part. And for that, I want to specifically understand, but you can also uh, talk a lot more uh, more than what I'm asking, um, I want to understand how do you record and how do you retrieve your inspirations. Sure. Well, as a as a
1: photographer, uh, the actual recording and retrieving is through a, a digital uh, camera system. I use mirrorless cameras. I go out in the field and uh, find a scenario that looks great, you know, a subject that I might have to wait hours for something interesting to happen. And then I'll I'll create the image from that using my camera. And then I take that back home and I'll import that into my computer using uh, Adobe Lightroom. And I use a uh, Apple uh, Mac Pro, uh, actually um, uh, MacBook Pro for my computer. And then I have a couple of displays set up so I can work on different things, different elements of the images as I'm editing them. So it's really recorded with the digital camera and then bring it onto my computer so I can go ahead and edit those images and share them in you know, the various ways that I do.
0: So has it ever happened with you that you did not have your camera with you and then you went out and then you found something interesting and then you decided you you are going to come back to it later with your camera.
1: Yes, I, I'll do that frequently. I may go on a scouting mission. Mm-hmm. And so I will... So just a couple of days ago, I had heard that there was a great horned owl nearby. So I hopped on my electric bike and grabbed my binoculars and headed out to scout out, see... If I could find the owl, which I did, and it was earlier in the days, so the light wasn't where I wanted it. And then I would uh, go about the rest of my day headed home. And when the light got a little bit better later in the day, then I grabbed my camera and headed back out to the location so I could spend more time with the owl. I grabbed my tripod in this case because owls tend to sit in a single perch for a long time. So uh, I used a tripod in that instance, and then I was able to start recording that and I did a combination of still images as well as some video
0: so this is this is an example where uh the uh, the inspiration of capturing a moment and in the activity of actually capturing the moment were very close to each other um but uh, have there been scenarios where you you wanted something, you wanted to capture something, and then it maybe months and years went by, and then you went back and then captured uh, uh, that that scene? Is that has that happened?
1: Yeah, and, and generally the way that happens is I've done a lot of traveling up and down the coast in California, and I started doing wildlife photography about five years ago. So I visited a number of places prior to that. So those could be considered pre-scouting missions. So I've been to various locations. I have an idea of what I might be able to find there. And then after I started doing wildlife photography, I would go back and visit those places, but now with a camera. And so it could be many years since I had been there previously. And now I'm looking at it with a slightly different eye, but I had an an idea of what it was that I was getting myself into when I went to those places.
0: So for these pre-scouting missions, uh, where did you record what you wanted to visit in future? Like, is it it just a notebook or something else?
1: Yeah, it was mostly I would maybe take images with my uh, iPhone. Hmm. so I would have some visual recording then I could go back and search by location and find images from that location or from the time of year
2: hmm. and
1: see what it was that I might have um, made an image of before but just with my iPhone is the way I would record it or I would take notes uh, on my phone in the notes hmm. application, so hmm. that I could go back to it later I use that a lot too when I'm Chatting with somebody who might have a tip hmm. on some place that I want to visit. Hmm. So, uh, uh, for example, I was uh, speaking with a, a well known photographer recently, and I said, Hey, I'm going to be heading up on a trip to Oregon and Washington for a couple of weeks. Do you have any suggestions? And so he started rattling off a few places, and I uh, jotted them all down in my in notes application on my phone. So then I could go back and figure out, okay, do a little more research into those locations, determine what the best time of day might be to visit there, where are some more specific locations I want to go to. So that would be a situation where it's not instant planning Hmm. ahead for some place I'm going to go to.
2: Hmm. Uh,
1: That's similar. Like if I'm planning a big trip someplace like uh, last year, I went to Africa and I'd never been there before. Uh, but over the years, many years prior, you know, I've watched a lot of you know wildlife videos and in preparation for going, I you know, read through some books, looked online to get an idea of what could I expect. I talked with other photographers that are going to those locations. I've asked them, you know, what equipment did you have? What lenses did you find to be most useful? Uh, how do you manage backups while you're on the road to keep track of your data and minimize the risk of losing you know those once in a lifetime shots that mm. that you're going to create mm. so those those are the types of things i would go into ahead of time before a trip to a place that i've never been
0: and uh when you mentioned about notes applications so you meant do you make some notes in the notes app uh how do you make sure that you find the right note when when you need it? Do you tag it or do you do some kind of search mechanism? How do you do it?
1: Yeah, I have a, a, a different folders I would call, you know, locations, and then I would just put, you know, okay, these are tips on locations, and mm. I would put those in there. I'd also keep track of names of people. If I run into somebody at a location, then I have a a folder called names and then I'll put down the names of people that I've met at different places so that if I go back there and I see them again, I can sound like I'm amazing. And I remember their names.
0: (laughs) Okay, great. Um, so, I mean, the reason I'm asking these questions is like, I'm a filmmaker and, um, uh, when because i make films i also watch a lot of films uh, to understand the rhythm uh, of the visual storytelling um but and then i can see something really really amazing in front of my eyes and um i w- would usually record that somehow so the way uh, for me to record is i have created like a text group with just me as a member in it and then i just text it to that group uh, that i watched this today um, However, um, what happens with me is if I uh, am making a film, let's say, because I'm not making films all the time, like if I make a film, let's say two years later, uh, I need a good way or good mechanism to access the inspiration uh, that I had recorded two years ago. Um, And that kind of becomes a challenge because I have to go through my whole list of notes and data and pictures and whatnot to just see if whatever I'm making, is there anything uh, that I have uh, recorded that may influence or inspire me to do something that I'm creating right now. Um, so that, and that becomes a challenge because my uh, time of creation and the time of inspiration hitting are separated by years. So, uh, so it, it becomes extremely challenging to find my own, ins- my own recorded inspiration uh, two years ago. Um, Okay, great. So uh, so this was the inspiration part. I really loved the, the, the stuff that you talked about where you said um, the inspiration can come to you by even talking to someone and then uh, uh, getting tips on locations and getting tips on where to go in those locations. That's kind of collaboration aspect to it is something that I don't necessarily experience all the time because uh as a filmmaker i watch a lot of content but that's a very solitary exercise like I, I i watch on netflix i watch on prime video um but anyway great um so let's talk about the creation part uh where you actually create uh, your images so um so I will tell you what I experience uh, while creating. And then you tell me if you experience something similar or if it is completely different, that's fine. I would love to know. So um, there are two things that I uh, I experience when I'm creating something. One is uh, I, I want to build a prototype of what I'm creating very, very fast. And then while I'm building a prototype of what I'm creating, the actual creation gets built in my head first. And then the next step is whatever I have created in front of me. Uh, the next step is basically uncovering or removing all the stuff that I can reach the creation in front of my eyes, uh, which is identical to what I have in my head. So uh, so, so those are the two steps that I go through, I mean, especially for films. Uh, the film is, I see the film first in my head and then I shoot... Uh, with video, audio, and then I have this entire mess of like the uh, huge digital files, and now I have to uncover my film that I'm seeing in my head through that. Uh... Right, you're you're
1: basically storyboarding at some level how you want to lay out the film to tell a particular a particular story. Right. Um, the way I approach that is I base mine around a subject you know whether it's a a great horned owl or an osprey or an acorn woodpecker or whatever it is because i don't know what images i'm going to be able to create especially if it's in a new location or a new setting i'd approach it with first of all finding the subject hmm. that's the most important hmm. once i found the subject then I might do a couple of what somebody else has coined the term, you know, proof shots. Hmm. So I'll take a couple of images of it just to prove that I saw it. Hmm. And it may be something I can refer to later if I'm you know, needing a little more detail or information about uh, that particular subject. Then I say, okay, now I've got a proof shot so I can show yes I did in fact see that (laughs) then I go to the next step of saying okay well how can I how can I make this a a better image to document what I've seen so it has a higher quality but still maybe not a, a piece of art so I'll say I start with How do I find the right angle? Where's the light coming from? I might make a few images at one angle and I look at them on the back of the camera and I say, yeah, that's great. That's what I want more of, or no, not getting it. So I'll try to move around to a different angle all the time being sensitive that you don't want to disturb or upset the subject or Mm. cause it to behave in a way that is not natural. Because at the end of the day, the subject is the most important thing. Me getting a a picture of it is secondary to the subject. Hmm. So if I can get myself in a new position and be able to make an image that is better quality, better light, maybe has more emotion to it, then that's what I'm going to aim for but if it looks like in order to get in that position i'm going to scare off the bird and it's going to fly away or you know you're going to impact it because it's sitting on a nest and you you don't want it to leave the nest and abandon it and then that you know that would impact the the hatchlings that are in that nest so if i can get into a new position and not impact that then i can start creating an image that now has a potential to become something that I could then turn into a piece of art that others will want to look at and say, wow, that's incredible. I've never seen that before and enjoy it in a very pleasing way, as opposed to just a documentary image, which says, oh, that's cool. You know, I'd never seen that subject before, but you want to turn it from, oh, that's cool into, wow, that was, that's amazing. Uh, so those are, those are the things that kind of step to it first, find it and and just get a proof shot, then document it. So you have something a little bit more, uh, to the image and find the better light so that you can create an image to end up with a nice artistic piece.
0: So I have a couple of questions here. So one is, um, when you take the proof shots, uh, and then the then the process begins where now you are in a position that you are not disturbing the subject and then you go into an artistic uh, adventure. So um, while doing all of this, what tools do you have on you? Is it only your camera or anything else?
1: Yeah, so there are several things that I have. Obviously the camera is most important. Uh, and before I go out to a location depending on what I anticipate being able to image uh, I either might have a long lens or an intermediate length lens or a shorter lens if I wanted to do a a more landscape wide angle shot then I might take a a wider angle lens but most of what I do is really centered around a longer lens and if I'm going to be hiking around and the light relatively good or very good, then I will not take a tripod with me. If I know that I'm going to a subject that is going to be fairly stationary, uh, owls tend to stay in the same spot, you know, whether they're burrowing owls that are going to be on the ground most of the time uh, and near their hole in the ground that burrow or a great horned owl that's sitting up in a tree uh, then I might have my uh, tripod with me but if it's a bird that I know is going to be flying around a lot then I usually won't bother with my tripod and I'll hand hold my lenses so you know that's one of the first considerations I have is it going to be hiking for a while and is the subject more likely to be stationary or moving around Uh, so if it's stationary, yes, I might have a tripod. If but even then, I might not. Then I'll have a a camera strap that I'm comfortable with, so that I can attach the camera and free up my hands occasionally when I need to, uh, so that I can have mm. it, uh, you know, hanging from my side, but comfortably. So that it's I don't use the camera straps that go around the neck uh, because they put a lot of pressure on the back of the neck. So I have one that goes off of the shoulders and I could even hang two cameras on it so I could have one camera body on each strap and it helps weigh things out uh, so I feel a little more uh, even when I'm, you know, hiking to wherever I'm going. Uh, I will often bring a a small lightweight uh, pair of binoculars. So if I don't know exactly where something's gonna be, or I wanna get an idea of, I see something there, is that a common bird that I already have a lot of images of, and it's not necessarily in a great location anyway, uh, the binoculars will help me discern that from a distance, as opposed to having to hike up a certain path and then find out, oh, I I really don't need another picture of a black Phoebe. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm looking for something more interesting. Uh, so, the, so binoculars are really helpful. I also uh, usually wear a pair of uh, tactical pants where I am able to put knee pads in the pockets in the knees of the pants because I'm often kneeling or lying mm. down flat on the ground
2: mm. while
1: I'm making images. So having pants that I can kneel on without hurting my knees are really, really helpful. Um, I also carry a um a lens uh, cleaning uh, cloth so that if I get dust on my lens, I have something I can just pull out of my pocket and and get the uh, dust off, so uh, I'm able to keep you know getting the best clearest images I can. If the weather is not great, I may have a um, a cover that I can put over my lens and camera to keep the you know, heavy rain from getting into the equipment, or if it's really, really dusty to keep the dust from getting into the lens element as well. So uh, those are the types of things I'm thinking about. Usually wear comfortable shoes that also have some grip on them. So if I'm walking on something a little slippery or uneven, I am better able to maintain my uh, my uh, stance. Although that didn't work for me one time I had just gotten a new camera and it was out and walking around a tide pool area. And I took a step and my foot slipped out from me and I took a tumble and my camera went right into a saltwater puddle and oh broke God. the lens hood off my lens and had to send everything back to Sony to have them work on it. So not an ideal way to start uh, a uh, a shoot, but it happens, right, so it's just part of doing business,
0: so how do you keep uh how do you keep track of all this? like do you have like a checklist before you go on a mission that uh, I'm going to take all of this, or is it only based on your memory
1: uh it's you know it's a handful it's like a half dozen things, and I'm usually wearing my pants, so that's generally <laughs> safe. I don't forget them <laughs> uh, the yeah you know, camera strap is the first thing I look for to make sure I have that. So if I'm going on a bigger trip where I'm traveling, then I'm gonna be potentially taking my computer. And then I gotta go through a checklist, maybe a mental checklist or whatever, but I say, okay, if I have my computer, I need to have power. Uh, I need to have um, my um, uh, card readers so that I can easily, Uh, take the memory card out of the camera and import it onto the computer. I want backup drives so that I can back up the information. So it all depends on what I'm going on. And, you know, for day trips where I'm just heading to a location that I've gone to dozens and dozens of times, I know all I need is my camera and my strap and uh, the lens cleaning cloth. And then uh, and and then I have a little uh, satchel uh, that I carry around with me. That uh, is just like a, you know a little, mm. not quite a fanny pack, but something like that, where I already already keep stuff in there like spare mm. memory cards, they, batteries. Yeah. So when I come back and I charge a battery, then I put and it's charged. It goes right back into the pack. Right. So I've got that ready to grab, but I, I want to have as minimal stuff as possible for two reasons. One is I don't want to carry everything with me because it gets very heavy. Right. You know, the, the lenses themselves, you know, can get really, really heavy. And, you know, that equipment, you can easily be carrying around 10 to 15 pounds worth of stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and I also don't want to leave a lot of stuff in the car if it's in a, less populated areas so that Mm. if somebody breaks into the car, Mm. uh, then I'm not losing as much Mm. equipment, if any.
0: Mm.
1: So, you know, these are just some of the things that I try to think about depending on the location I'm going to.
0: And then uh, I want to talk about how the, let's touch a little bit about the process between your proof shots and it becoming an artistic piece. So, and I will tell you a couple of my thoughts about it and then you, you tell me if I'm thinking it right. So one of the things I really feel that one of the things that digital technology has afforded us is an ability to make a choice rather than a decision. So um, because you are taking digital pictures, you can go back uh, to that picture and see what you may have missed or what you can add uh, right then and there while you're taking the picture, which wouldn't have been possible if you are filming on a celluloid uh, film. So um, to do that efficiently, like uh, you mentioned, you take a couple of proof shots and then going back to your uh, shots that you have taken to see whether you have missed something and then uh, using that as an inspiration for the next shots. uh, Do you only use the screen of the camera that you have or you have some other equipment with you?
1: Yeah, when I'm, when I'm out in the field, I primarily use the screen on the camera or yeah. the eyepiece. With the mirrorless cameras now, uh, you can just look through the eyepiece and you have a, a nice representation of that image you just took as opposed mm. to looking on the back of the camera. Oh, okay. So uh, I used to carry around a um, magnifying attachment piece that uh, is a hood from a company called Hoodman. and that would coat over the back three and a half inch lcd screen on the mm. back of the camera and then i look through the eyepiece so that would cover the, mm. the light that would come from the side so i can get a better view of it but with the mirrorless cameras i don't need to do that i can just look right into mm. the eyepiece and it's already shielded from the outside light and i can get a much better look at it so i don't have to put the camera down and to see what I'm doing, I could actually still be watching the subject and right. quickly go into the review mode and see that. Now, so that's the way I do probably ninety five percent of the time. But if I'm in a vehicle, whether it's a boat or a um, you know somebody's driving and I'm not driving, uh, what I will do sometimes is I will transfer the image from my camera to my phone mm. and you know just over Bluetooth and that gives me an opportunity to see a bigger image and to more easily zoom in on it right kind of get a better preview of what i've taken but that's generally after i've left the location mm. i'm not usually doing that on location because when i'm on location my primary goal is to create the best images that are available to me while any action is happening mm. uh if i'm sitting someplace for hours and hours and hours and there's nothing going to happen for a while i might move it onto my phone and look at it but i generally have a pretty good idea because i've been doing this for a while of whether it's good or not just from looking at it through the uh, uh, viewfinder on the camera
0: and what makes the um what makes your proof shot uh Sorry, the proof shot doesn't go into the artistic piece, but what I what I want to understand is like what how do you find the value that you are going to add to your proof shot so that it becomes an artistic piece? Like what what's your process for that?
1: Yeah. So with the cameras that I use, I shoot up to 20 frames per second. So I can very quickly create hundreds or thousands of images of whatever the subject is. And I don't necessarily look at every single image, uh, certainly not at the time, I, I may review all of them later. But what I'm looking for is testing occasional images. So like, okay, I just tried some new settings and then I'll take a review of the image and see, is it sharp? Am I getting good light? Do I have, some emotions that seem to be coming in from the subject. Hmm. If it's, you know, if it's a bird sitting there on a perch with its eyes closed, you know, there's not a lot of emotion to that. Now, if it took on a really interesting expression or, or spread its wings and uh, put a leg out to stretch it, you know, then you'd say, okay, well, that might be more interesting. Or, if the light is just so amazing, even though the bird has its eyes closed, it looks like it's just basking in this gorgeous light, there could be some emotion from that. So that's what I'm looking for is there, what is the emotional attachment that somebody might have to this image? And I don't always get all those because some action happens and I'm gonna try to uh, make an image that represents that action in the moment. Once that action has happened, there's no going back. Hmm. You know, unless it's going to do it over and over again, right. which doesn't always happen. More often than not, it was a one-time thing and then it might fly off after that. So, so you get what you get. And so the, the part that you have to work on is before that action happens is understanding your subject understanding the location the lighting the focus to make sure that technically you're in the best position to make a quality image then you get a little bit of luck right and you know I, I the way I look at it is by going to the same place day after day for a week and spending five hours there every day I might get lucky. <laughs> So you know part of it is you're making your luck by putting yourself in that position. Right. You know, true true luck is you walk up, something happens, you pick up your camera, you snap a shot, walk away, and you got it. That's (laughs) pure luck. And that rarely happens. So you have to make your luck and put yourself in a position where when something happens, you can you're ready for it. And somebody might say, oh, you were lucky to have it. Yeah, I spent 30 hours <laughs> to get in the position where I could have that luck.
0: Right. So uh, this is a great segue into uh, my next question. Um, so you mentioned something really beautiful that when you are taking images, uh, it if it has some emotional impact on you, then that kind of becomes your uh, that could become your artistic piece that, that you could release later. But then um, is do you just make a note of that in your memory while you are taking the pictures and then revisit those memories when you watch all the pictures on your uh, Mac? Or do you keep a record of this that emotion somewhere while, while the image is taken and then uh, connect the two later? How do you do it?
1: Sure. Uh, For the most part, I'm in a position where I can make images and then later that day review them. Hmm. So I don't generally take specific notes on, oh, I need to look for the image that I made at 6.45 p.m. Hmm. I know that, oh, I was there for a while and maybe about halfway through, I remember that, you know, there was some cool action going Hmm. on. So when I'm reviewing my images, I'll, you know, I'm flipping through them uh, on the computer until I get to that time frame. Yeah, I think it was around now. Where is that image? And more often than not, I can find it fairly quickly. Sometimes I'm like, I know that happened. And I know I took a picture of it. And so then I, I might have to dig longer to find it. But Yeah. I know roughly where it is. And so that's what I look for. But then there's other times where I know that there was a lot of action going on. I don't know if I got the emotion and I Mm. might, you know, I might make 500 images of this thing and I'm going through and saying, okay, that's sharp. That's technically okay. That one's good and stuff. But you know, the bird or the Fox um, or the elephant seal is is just kind of looking down and it's it's disconnected. You you not you don't have eye contact or it's not looking up at an angle to give you that perspective where it will uh, bring that the viewer into the oh I, I really feel like I'm part of that scene. So I'll sometimes go through all my images and say I don't have one. <laughs> I didn't get any, I mean, I might have a thousand sharp images and I don't do anything with them. Mm. And then other times I look to and say, oh, that's, that's what I'm looking for. And I could have all kinds of images and I often don't even develop many of the images. I wait for them to be in a particular, find that one or two that really brings some emotional contact to you.
0: Mm. So what's the biggest challenge you face in your creation process? So,
1: you know, the, the the bigger challenges are finding the location uh, and understanding when's the best time to find your subject. Uh, you know, like, again, with this great horned owl, uh, thing, that's just fresh in my mind, because it was just in the last few days. I went there two days in a row and found it and went there on the third day, and it it wasn't there and I went there on the fourth day and it wasn't there. So it had moved to another area and I don't know where it is. Mm. So, you know, finding the subject is, is the biggest challenge. And sometimes you have to travel a lot to get to the subject, or sometimes you have to wait a lot for that subject to come to you.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: So that's the, probably in general, the biggest challenge, but in order to turn these around and, and share them with people, uh, then it's sitting down in front of the computer and and editing the image, uh, searching for an image, first of all, that gives you that emotional connection, then spending some time to edit it and uh, then present it, right? So that's a, just a, a chunk of time to do. I spend probably more time sitting in front of the computer editing images than I am actually out making images.
2: Mm.
1: And... Then I have uh, when I'm printing the images, I don't have my own printer because a lot of my prints are on metal prints and I just don't have the technology to do that. Uh, So I'm relying on the the print labs and folks that I work with to be able to create Mm. um, the image that in the way that I want it to look. And sometimes it's going back and forth and sometimes it's hit or miss. So, that's an area I need to work on and I probably will get a printer at some point so that I can really know that I'm creating the image exactly the way I want it to be. Then if I send it to another printer, I know what it can be. And uh, if it doesn't come back that I can show them, Hey, this is what I created. You're not, it doesn't look like that. Let's go back and work on it.
2: Hmm.
1: Um, And the number of images, I create a lot of images. They take up, a lot of storage. I've got over 40 terabytes of <laughs> uh, photos right now. And uh, and then the company that I've been using for my RAID drive, uh, they went bankrupt. Oh, and I don't I don't trust that it's going to be compatible with subsequent releases of the Mac operating system. So I just ordered a new RAID system that should be here tomorrow. And then I need to put that in and, and start migrating over to a new RAID system. And then I'm going to get another RAID system to back that up locally. Plus, right. everything goes up in the cloud to be backed up there. So it's you know, it's finding the subject. It's editing the time to edit it. It's getting the prints to look the way you want. And then it's um, making sure that you have appropriate backups so that you don't lose everything. Mm. those are we, those are my bigger challenges
0: which which uh, technology were you using for your raid drives uh drobo oh okay uh, I so about.
1: there it's it's a fantastic drive it had some so many things going for it very very popular among photographers but starting about three years ago you couldn't get them anymore and they were they're still around companies still and i even had good responses from them when i've sent them emails Mm. with questions more recently, but um, they can't swear that it'll be compatible with the next OS that comes out. And they think it'll probably work, but Apple is warning you, no, it may not work. So I I can't run that risk. So I can't upgrade to the next OS until I have a better backup system that I know will be compatible.
0: Great. Thanks a lot, Kevin. It was great talking with you. Great. Same here,
1: Ashley. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks for tuning in. If you are a creator, I would love to talk with you. Please connect with me through my website or social media. See you in the next episode.